This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. If they expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing... I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from. Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I'm Billy Mully, joined today by my two good friends, Jamie Castle and Kieran Robertson. Jamie, how are you getting on? Yeah, not bad. Very fresh face. We normally record on a Monday night for the viewers that, that watch this weekly, but we're down doing it on a Monday morning to get it out earlier. So it's a bit of a different time slot and not, not quite used to recording when it's light outside, but no, all good. And Kieran, we're relying on Jamie to bring the energy today. We've both been up early having to do little bits, but how are you? Yeah, not bad. I mean, I've obviously, for those of you that have been paying attention to my life recently, if you follow me on maybe Insta, perhaps, uh, passed my theory test. Finally, uh, we had a little bit of a celebration on Friday and also the acknowledgement of the fact that I now have a practical test on the 14th of November and very quickly in the group chat someone went oh cool so crystal palace at home is your first game that you can drive to then without just without a shadow of doubt as i are great okay no more pressure needed um so yeah just had a two-hour driving lesson this morning and it's uh oh it's full steam ahead for that at the moment i don't know how you're going to manage trying to get as many lifts the the amount of people that you probably owe lifts to i don't know how you're (laughs) going to fit them all in one guy I've like for also for the record, I've just turned 25, right? So, I've for some people in my life, I've got a good eight years of people being like, My time has come and I will cherish this opportunity. Part time <laughs> Uber driver feeling, Kieran. 
Oh, pretty much, mate. I mean, someone was already saying that, oh, like, how come you're going to drive to games? Like, I travel from Swindon every game, for the record. And it's actually funny because a lot of people have just cottoned on to this in the last couple of months of seeing him again. They're like, oh, how do you do that journey for home and away games? Like, yeah, of course. But like, I mean, driving doesn't take any time away from it. It just makes that journey a bit more practical, perhaps. Depends on what way you look at it, I suppose. Well, on to the football and we start at Stamford Bridge. Luton Town play out a 3-0 loss in the end against Chelsea. Again, similar to Brighton, a lot of positives that we can take, but also a few lessons within there. We also look at the latest on the transfer rumour front. There's two sort of more pressing ones that we addressed today, ahead of the uh, deadline day, which I believe is Thursday. Very, very fast approaching. We've also got two fixtures to preview. Uh, tomorrow, we play Gillingham in the second round of the Carabao Cup. Um, and then we've got our first Premier League fixture at Kenworth Road, West Ham. It's going to be a good one. Cannot wait. So let's dive into Chelsea away. And the first thing to really speak about was the atmosphere, was the... Luton fans, because I got a lot of messages from non-supporting Luton fans, um, non-Luton supporting fans saying how good we were. Um, really impressed and sort of a breath of fresh air in the Premier League. And, you know, you always take pride in that, don't you, Kim? Without a doubt. And I think that was the key thing to take home from Friday was this. I'm going to use the tough season phrase, but we always knew it was going to be a tough season. And... The key thing for us was, at the end of the day, those lads are walking into the lion's den every single game. Like even at home, it's going to be tough. But they need to hear us. They need to hear our voices. And I saw a lot of Chelsea fans take the piss out of us for that atmosphere. Well, you don't get three points from a good atmosphere. It's like, yeah, but do you know what? Like, we're not in the same boat as you. Like, our players need to know that when times get tough, we're there. We're going to back them through hell or high water. And... That's the key thing for me. Like, I'm proud of every single Luton fan the other day who turned up, who made the noise, who sang along to every song. It felt like everyone knew every word. It felt like everyone gave everything. And on Saturday morning, if you woke up and still had your voice box intact, then fair play to you. Because I tell you what, I didn't. That was a nice use of phrase there, Kieran, that had a lot of high water given we got Edwards in, in charge. But no, I think. Spot on, I think all we can do as fans is to do ourselves proud this season, no matter what happens, whether we stay up, whether we go down, whether we go out of the league with a whimper on no points, let's say. Like we just, all, we ha- all, we, all we can do is do ourselves proud. Um, and it, I think it, it's easy at Chelsea away because it's Chelsea away. It's somewhere we've not been in the league for, for 30 years. Um, so, yeah, it, I, it, the away end was... was Fantastic. One of the best I've been in. Um, almost up there with Knox County away all, all those years ago. Um, so it's, it's, it's now just to just see how, how we get on f- f- through the weeks. Obviously, West Ham at home is going to be, again, amazing because it's our first home game in the Premier League. There's going to be four or 5,000 Luton fans that will be their first Premier League game because they've not managed to get a ticket in, in either away end. Um, so that's going to be amazing. But it's just... I'm just so, so keen to see it continue through the weeks. If if it, if we do go five, six, seven games without a win, just keep it up. Because if if we can just keep that up all season, then no matter what, we'll do ourselves proud. 
And back to the on the pitch happenings. What positives were there for you, Jamie? Uh, I think there was a lot of individual performances that we can look at and be proud of um, collectively as well. For the most part, we, we played really well. And again, that's mirrored from what I've heard from fans that support other clubs. They did say we're in the game for long, long parts of the game. And, you know, as much as we can say that, sometimes we have those those rose-tinted glasses on. But to hear that from fans that support other clubs, I guess that, that speaks volumes about the kind of performance we did put in. Yeah, I think just generally we just didn't look at our place and a lot has been made at, of the spending. Um, but you always want to disregard that because ultimately it is a game of 11 v 11. Like No matter how much is spent, it's 11 v 11. But they've got 11 world-class or near to world-class players on their team. And um, despite that, we didn't look at our place. And yeah, I think you can say we, we were in the game at 1-0 and we were, we were in the game for 70 minutes until... Sterling gets his second. Um, frustrating that it's just a, f- a few mistakes and sort of either like you lose your runner or or, or, or just make that that mistake on the ball, like Kabore did for that Chilwell chance, for example, which can be a bit frustrating. But it's game two, so you have to give him a bit of grace. But yeah, the fact that we didn't look out of place for seventy minutes um, and you just you just cur- you curse that Ryan Giles chance at one 0 right because if that goes in, it it, it could be different. Um, so that's positive, but it's two games now where we've said, yeah, we were, we were in it for large spells. Ta- tactically, I think well, Edwards is getting it spot on. I think n- none of the goals that we've conceded so far for me have been tactical errors that like, Edwards might have got his his setup wrong. I think it's just players in the moment making mistakes. It's only their second game in the Premier League for most of them. Um, so, yeah, again, you can sort of try and find that balance between taking the positives and, and also trying to be sort of try and bring it down back to earth and say, look, we, we now need to start cutting those mistakes out of our game. And Kieran, what Jamie's saying there, it's more personal errors than tactical errors. Does that highlight a need for you to, to recruit in certain positions? Are these mistakes sort of highlighting that need of, of adding depth and competition to, to certain areas of the pitch? Yeah, and I think the key one that stood out for me was more so after watching the goals back, like I thought it initially at the time, but it's hard to see when you compare real time to hindsight, right? And I was watching back the first goal and I looked at Sterling's finish and yes, it's a good finish. Yes, it's a good dribble, but I'm looking at Ryan Giles and I'm looking at Amari Bell and I'm almost like clapping my head thinking you could have done a lot better there. And it's not the first time that the pair of them have been left exposed. It was down that left side more than anything that an attack comes down and you're thinking, shit, 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 every time the ball went down there. Whereas when you had Kabore and Burke, I was sat there playing face like, yeah, fine, whatever, not stressed. Apart from that one chance that Chilwell fluffed up, it was that was the only glaring thing for me was the left side where... Like, it's not a detriment to Giles. He is just naturally a more attacking player and naturally sits further forward, and that is fine in some co- some context. However, it just it didn't suit on Friday. And then having Amari Bell, who got away with playing left-centre-half last year and was very good, and I'm not going to dispute that whatsoever, could even make an argument for player of the season. It's like a square shape in a round-shaped hole at the moment. Like, it's not fitting anymore. Um, 
and it needs to be something that we address as soon as possible. I think we sort of had a, a chat collectively after the game and said that left centre half needs to be a bigger priority than right centre half, and I completely agree. And it's a difficulty we've had before, hasn't it? Been, been that left-sided centre-back position after Naismith departed. And it actually was Bell who, who stepped up and performed admirably in the championship. But yeah, as you say, upper division, it's something that, that could be exposed a little bit more than we'd like to, we'd like to see. Uh, we'll go on to, and, and you alluded to it there, Kieran, uh, Rhys Burke came back for his first Premier League game. He likes a good game against Chelsea. Um, you think back to that goal and the general performance he put in in that FA Cup game. But he, again, coming in for your first Premier League game after missing a fair chunk of pre-season, you would have forgiven him for not fully being at it. But I think he was. I think he won his duels. He, I think one of the issues at Brighton was uh, Mads Anderson's mobility. He's somebody that, that brings that in abundance. And I, I just generally thought it was a very assured display from somebody who could have had a very, very difficult time against the, the quality of opponent. Yeah, I agree with that. And with Reese Burke, I know I raised a question mark or two over him a week or so ago. Just like to say, sorry, boy, uh, I regret what I said. <laughs> because watching him on... Friday night felt like light years. It, it felt like what I wanted Mads Anderson to be at Brighton. It was just aerial duels, bang, commitment to tackles, bang. And there was even a couple of times where he's he's got his man and the difference between him and Mads, I noticed, was say if Mads is marking Matoma at Brighton, if Matoma dropped deeper, Anderson would let him just go and do that. But the trouble with that is you're letting Matoma come and get the ball and drive back at you. And whether it was Sterling, whether it was Jackson, whoever was sort of on that same side as Burke, if they went to drop deep to collect that ball, Burke went, all right, I'm going with you then. But and he wouldn't give him a second of space. And that was the key difference to me is someone on the outside might look at that and think, oh, no, but he's leaving us exposed at the back. Yeah, but you have to understand he's also taking an attacker out of a potential attacking play as well. Like he's following the man and rather than giving him four on three in that midfield pocket, he goes, no, nah, let's make it even four on four. And if anything, he's actually helping a future counter-attack. So for me, it's still proven otherwise. Like Burke is that right centre-half for me. Um, I'd love to see Gabe Bosho get given a chance. I think him and Premier League football... Just, I have this hunch that it's just going to be like a match made in heaven, like this physicality battle that he just loves. And I want to see it. But until he's fit, until he's ready to be given that chance, I can't fault Reese Burke at the moment. Even conceding three goals, I don't think he did anything wrong on, on Friday night. Yeah, I've got no doubts about Reese Burke as a, as a player whatsoever. I think he's brave, he's aggressive, as Kieran said, in terms of sort of that, 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 that man marking. He's strong. He, he wins his aerial draws. It's just his, his It's just his availability. If um if if he can guarantee thirty eight games, I think there's absolutely no need for to, to bring in a right to a right centre half. I think he is he is it. He's good enough. You you sort of see sort of shades of like a Webster or a Dunk at Brighton in him in terms of the the, the, the way he is. Um, it's just his, his injury record. It, it's just you you can't guarantee that he's gonna going to play four or five games in a row which is so frustrating because 
you think he's 26 years old, he's approaching his peak as a centre-half and he could be a fantastic Premier League centre-half for us, but it's just, just his injury record, which is frustrating, which which then brings up the, meet, brings up the need to maybe bring another body in, in that position just in case. Um, and yeah, Osho is the same. I think he's he's as good, but just injuries is just it's just so frustrating, and it, it must be um, re- really frustrating for Edwards because he knows he's got a, a fantastic player there, but he just can't guarantee minutes. And Jamie, just a quick word on Ross Barkley. Started his first game, looked very composed in the midfield. He got on the ball. He looked to make things happen. Um, tactically, he seemed to fit in what we're trying to do with the eights that that can create but also do the the hard yards what do you make of his performance the one thing that he gave us which we lacked before is just that in-game management just the ability just to win a foul whenever he's receiving a ball and he he feels that there's pressure coming he just he, he takes the contact and goes down just to try and break the game up and he he did it inside what 90 seconds at, uh, at Chelsea when I think that the ball went into him, and I'm not I can't remember who it was that went went into him, but they backed into him. He, he went down, and and then we won a free kick on the left, sort of 35 yards out. And suddenly, you you give us a set piece situation where you can get your your big men up and and, and potentially make something from it. Um, I think on the ball at times he was a little bit rusty, um, but I think he showed glimpses of of his quality and what he can bring. So you you think it's, it's his first game in a Luton shirt, so he, he's he's a getting used used to us and b getting used to the the level of of the of the league again. Um, but now he showed showed a lot of promise in, in his performance, um, and hopefully over time, over a few more games, he, he can just get better and better. But yeah, the, the theme game management for me that was massive and you saw it loads in terms of just winning the fouls and just, just breaking the game up and it's exciting that we've still got him for 36 games of this season um, continuing to, to build towards what we know he can do in the Luton shirt this season we'll turn the attention to the transfer market one player that's been heavily linked over the last few days and now reportedly uh, set to undergo a medical at Kenworth Road is Isaac Hayden, Newcastle United midfielder, who's a uh, bit of an outcast at, at St James's Park since you know they, they've been able to strengthen massively over the last couple of years. Isaac Hayden, he, he spent a loan spell at Norwich last season. Um, he's a player that, that's technically good, um, hasn't played massive amount of games over recent seasons, but I guess looking at it from sort of a positive perspective first, he's got a lot of experience and he's somebody, um, we, we don't have too many players that have experience of the higher level. So in that respect, having somebody else in the changing room that, that knows the league very well is, is only going to be somewhat of a boost. Yeah, I agree. And Hayden, for me, like you said, the only thing that stuck out for me was experience. Um being at Newcastle, he was trusted by Bruce. He was trusted by other managers. For me, it's that sort of competition to Nakamba. Um, me and Jamie were sort of chatting about this on Friday, and it's that thing of Nakamba played well on Friday, and he didn't exactly look out of place, right? But then there's that option of if he comes off or you need something different. When we were having this argument in the transfer window about Nakamba or Pearson and sort of having that best of both worlds, that is what Hayden would provide is 
that experience and again adding another figurehead to that dressing room that is someone who's played multiple Premier League games but also then that option of oh you could play the pair of them you could play one or the other and you get that different dynamic regardless of which one you play yeah I think we we do need a DM like categorically need need one I think you had spells on Friday night where Marv was booked I think and you had sort of 20 minutes to go and we were making making changes and I would have I would have loved to brought him off just to not risk a red card and just rip and sort of not risk his legs. But there wasn't really anyone to, to bring on, which was alarming. I think if, if we lose Marv, that's a pr- pretty big void to fill. I think a, a, a lot has been made of, or if we lose Colton, then we're, then we're sort of at risk. But I think Marv is, is, is a bigger risk for us in terms of if we were to lose him, that midfield just would, would have, would have to change. Um, but I'm not, big on Hayden whatsoever. Um, I think, yeah, he's got the experience, which obviously is important, but we've just spent a few minutes talking about Burke and Osh's injury records. Then you bring in someone that is equally as injury prone as, uh, as them. Um, he can cover both rights and a half and, and DM, although he's not, not as mobile, but he, he, he can do it. Um, but we, I, I guess I've, I've, I've said a few times on the last few pods that your loan slots are for players that are going to come in and almost be starters and play 30, 35 games because they're players that you can't otherwise afford to bring in or, or get better than in in the permanent window. So I, I don't know. I think I think we can get better than Hayden in the permanent window. I think we, we, we've been linked with plenty of players like, like Kieran mentioned, Ben Pearson, who probably isn't a better player than Hayden, but he's certainly more available. Uh, you've got Lewis Travis, I think, um, Blackburn, the captain, DM. He he was he was an option in terms of a DM we we, we linked with. I think there's options out there that I think we we, we could have gone for. And I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, obviously the proof will be in the pudding, and we'll, we'll wait to see how it plays out. But I think we could have used our loan slot a bit more wisely, and that now limits us in terms of our domestic loans. You look at Kabore and what he's added to us already, and he, yeah, he's still raw and still young, and he still has bits to improve on. But you can you already see why we brought him in, and 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 probably in the long run we wouldn't have been able to to have bought better at, at right wing back. I think he's in in the long run he will be loads better than Drama. Um, but I can't see what Hayden would add to us from a loan signing that's meant to be. A player that you can't otherwise buy. So yeah, it's a bit bit baffling to me. I think we've it seems a bit of like a panic, but yeah, we'll we'll see how, we'll see how it goes. We'll go on to the second player, um, David Bricardo, um, somebody um, that is playing in Norway's top flight, Slovenian international, I think, uh, twenty four years old, and and when this link first surfaced. Um, there was a few fans of Norwegian football that, that were in our comments that, that had rave reviews about him saying he's the best player to, to come out of Norway in the last few years, which is always always good and exciting to hear. Um, but at this point, he's very much an unknown entity, um, but a defender, somebody who potentially could occupy that, that central role to provide competition with Lockyer and, and Mads Andersen. Um, and then potentially play on the right-hand side as well. Somebody that brings a little bit of versatility. Um, Jamie, would you say this is a, a correct route to go down um, the European market to, to fill this centre-back shaped void? Um, I know you've been quite vocal about potentially 
Um, going down the left-sided centre-back route, but, but David Bacalo, do you think he's somebody that should be should be visited? I mean, speaking more generally in terms of the European market, I think, yes, I think there's, you, you've seen it with, with Brighton and Brentford. I think they've uncovered some gems in that market for fairly good fees. Um, so I think absolutely, I think there's scope to do that, but whether we're established enough yet to, to be able to, to, to do so in detail, I'm not sure. Um, don't know loads about Bricolo or Bacalo, Um but I guess, like, as you say, right, if, if you've got loads of tweets in, in, in your comments about about him playing the Viking in Norway and how how they're wanting to get a, a, an eight-figure bus fee for him and he's one of the best sort of defensive players that that, that, that they've that they've ever had in, in in their team and league then that that only speaks volumes right and and it's not for us to to make a conclusion on a player that, that that we've not seen but it seems it seems promising i think he's been linked to a few clubs i think it's been linked to michelin who are in the, who are in the champions league in denmark so that, that's obviously of a, of a of a fantastic level if, if they have faith that, that he can step up to that um, so yeah, I mean, I can't add too much comment on him on him as a player, but it, it, it is promising. And I think in terms of the left and right centre half, um, yeah, it all comes down to down to availability. I think Bell is more reliable in terms of in the long run. And I think if if you could put your money on on a player being available for thirty eight games, it's Bell over Burke, right? So to, to that extent, you probably think the right centre half is is more important. But then Kieran's comment on on Bell is is, is is entirely appropriate in terms of well Bell was actually not a, an out and out left centre back he's actually a, a left fullback, um, so maybe you bring someone in and if you sort of have a game like City away or Liverpool away or Newcastle away you might actually put Bell out to left wing back just to to fill that that, that defensive void a little bit that that Giles leaves sometimes and then play someone that you sign at left centre half at, at centre half instead. Um, so it'd be interesting. It'd be inter- interesting to see how it plays out o- over the next sort of four or five days. Um, but I, I could certainly see see us bringing in either or both of a left and right. So let's fast forward to Thursday deadline day, where hopefully we see a Sky reporter at the break, uh, bringing us some, bringing us some updates from from Kenilworth Road. If Luton were to conclude this summer transfer window, bringing in. Brecolo, Bacalo, however you say it, or uh, sorry, and Isaac Hayden. Do you think that would be it? Would you be content enough with that? Do you think that would be a strong enough squad to get us to, to January for for Edwards to to be content with his squad? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Go on, Kieran. Go on. There you go. Right. Is I think I'd say I think so, but it's one of those where for me, the left centre half. Void, I think, is still the most important thing. Like, Aiden's all right as a backup to Nakamba and Brecolo, I won't speak for purely because I genuinely know nothing about him. So I'm not going to voice that opinion. But if Norwegians are saying he's the best thing to come out of a country in a long time, that says a lot considering they've also produced a robot, Hoyland, and Erdegaard. So fair enough. Um, <laughs> so I'll take that if we're linked with him. But the less than a half thing, I just think Chelsea cut it open. There's, it's such a glaring problem that Chelsea made no mistake cutting through repeatedly. And even for that third goal where the ball's played across, there's no one stopping that ball. And it's just one of those things where I think if that isn't an issue that's rectified in the next 
few days or even if we have to bring in a loan i just don't i see it being a humongous problem like i see it being this thing that over time is going to cost us more points and if it, if it comes down to you could have spent 5 million or you've now just lost 25 30 points in a quest for survival the points are more valuable than just spending that 5 million again um and it's and this is the trouble with that decision is i don't want it to be a oh i'm trying not to say amari bell's not good enough or whatever else i'm just trying to look out for the sake of if we're staying up that is there's taking risks and then there's things you just have to do and i think that this transfer of a left center half comes under the category of we just need to fill that hole with someone that can actually play the position because it's their position, not a makeshift in that respect. Um, DM-wise, fine, will be sorted with Hayden. Um, would I have liked to have seen another striker? Maybe, but to be honest, based off of what I've seen off of Bene and Brown, um, I think they both bring a lot of promise, a lot of pace and something much different compared to Eli and Morris. And for Eli and Morris, I want to see them start and I want to see them continue to cause trouble with center halves and cause a nuisance and trust them up front because I fucking love them both. And they deserve it in every single respect. And if anyone even bothers to slay Eli after that Chelsea performance, I'd love to know what you were smoking. Jamie, does that, does he echo your thoughts there? Do you think there's anything different, anything we're, we're kind of missing at the moment that, that we haven't spoken about? No, I think less than half would be nice, obviously, but I think it's less urgent than Kieran makes out to be. I think I watched the game back yesterday, Sunday, and I think some of the issues is more left wing back focus rather than left centre back focus. And I think Giles just needs to start getting used to the way we we play and 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 fast. I think like there was the second goal, we were just jogging back. I think it, Sterling pulled Bell in, I think, and then Gusto found himself out, out wide right and Giles just has, has to spot him and just track back because then suddenly you've got Sterling and, and, and Gusto on, on on Bell. Um, so I think maybe you, you see how Doughty goes there. I think Doughty gave Bell a lot more cover last season than, than Giles has done so far. And again, asterisk, it's two very good teams away, so let's not get too dramatic. But I think left centre half for me is less is less pressing than than, than that. Um, yeah, I think we just need to in in coach and get Giles' defensive sides up up to speed. On the DM, yeah, I mean if if, if Hayden comes in, then we're sorted right. I think he, he's that cover for Marv if if, if we need it. So you, you can't really bring a body in there. Um, and then centre forward, yeah, again it, again it'd be nice if we can go out and spend. 18 million pound on Cameron Archer, but we just can't, right? And I think Morris and Adebayo have, have, um, have proved their worth so far in the two games. Obviously, only one goal between them, and that was from the spot. But I think they've they've, they've shown enough on on the ball and off the ball that that, that they can they can sort of improve their worth. Um, just a comment that Edwards made in his Chelsea pre-match conference that I found interesting, where. When he was asked about that that one that one loan slot left to use and are you going to use it, he, he he mentioned two or three times that oh yeah we've got one UK loan slot left we got yeah we got we got one domestic loan slot left he said that two or three times so it just makes me think whether there's someone overseas that 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 they're looking at that we could bring in on loan not sure who that is have no idea but 
maybe there could be a third loan that we use that, that, that comes from the overseas market, which would be interesting to see if that if that plays out. That will be interesting to see. We're going to head into a short break, but when we're back, we'll preview games against Gillingham and West Ham. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So we are back for part two of today's episode and we're going to head straight into the fixture that comes tomorrow at Kenworth Road. We finally get to see what has been happening at our beautiful home. We've seen all the pictures, we've seen all the drone footage, but at least some of us, We'll get to view what's been going on. Um, just a quick little downer on things. Jamie, we've struggled against League Two opposition in this competition over the last few years. Uh, we got beat by Stevenage. We got beat by Newport. Are we going to get beat by Gillingham? <laughs> <laughs> what a great first question. Um you you have to say no, right? I think yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that they've gone big guns in League Two so far. They've, I think that, that they lost the first game at the weekend. Or there was some sort of crash involving their players. I'm not not sure what happened there. I just saw something on on Twitter. Um, so yeah, I mean, in terms of caliber of League Two side, they've started really well. They've they've got twelve points from five games, so that's that's a fantastic start. So they're going to pose a threat for sure. They've got a few players um, in in the summer that that that, that have started sort of well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess on, coming back to us, I think you have to say no, right? I think you always have to back the, the Premier League side at home, and and um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. But I think our squad is deep enough to be able to make enough changes and also just be too strong. And I think it'll be a, a really interesting. Starting eleven to see who starts. You've got the likes of Alan Campbell, who's been nowhere to be seen so far. So, will he get a game, or 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 maybe not? Will 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 him not being part of the eleven show that actually he might be off? Um, so it'd be interesting to see that starting eleven. And we've got yeah, Brown, Brown, Woodrow, Ogbené probably all, all all need to start, and they're they're fantastic players in themselves that that probably should prove too much. And Kieran, it's a good fixture because us being fans that have seen Luton in the depths of the Football League fairly recently, we understand how big a fixture like this can be um, against the Premier League club. A really good opportunity for Gillingham to test themselves against you know, a team that's competing in the best division in the world. Um, there'll be a lot of Premier League clubs that, that look down at this kind of fixture and think, well, why do we have to play this? But that will never be a Luton fan. No, it won't be. And like you said, we've been to the depths of the football league and non-league and whatever else. And I think we're 
we're humble these days. We respect any opposition, um, especially when you look at a Gillingham side who, by the bookmakers, uh, or were the favourites for the League Two title. Um, under it's Neil Harris, it's still there, isn't he? So it's it's a strong manager for a League Two side as well. Um, and by all accounts, have had a good start to the season or an expected start to the season that they would want to have. So to be honest, it won't be a it won't be a walk in the park by any means. It will be a tough game. They will look at the last two years and they'll think mm, they'll be licking their lips a little bit, thinking, well, if Stevenage can do them and if Newport can do them, then we probably stand a chance. But I think the benefit to us now is when we're in the championship and we're playing these games, we had League One, League Two level depth. So there was a lot of like the gap between their first team and our second and third choice players was a lot smaller. Whereas now the depth we have is top end championship. So it's top end championship and top end league two. And there is still a comfortable gap in between there. And I think whilst we'll be humble and we'll accept that it will be a tough game, I fully believe we'll actually for once make it through to the third round of the Man City Invitational this year. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about players. Um, Jamie, you you spoken there about Alan Campbell, um, his potential um, availability and, and spot in the starting eleven could speak volumes about what the plan will be with him. Uh, Corley Woodrow, Bene, um, Jacob Brown as well, players that you, you expect to feature one way or another. Do you expect someone like Louis Watson, um, you know, another player that springs to mind, Francis Clark, got a lot of good game time during pre-season. Uh, do you see that as a good opportunity for, for those players to potentially perform well and, and keep themselves close to the first team or, or you know, earn themselves a decent loan move? Um, I think loan move, the latter, certainly for someone like a Francis Clark, but I mean, for sure, on, on Tuesday, I think he should definitely start. We spoke about Birkin's fitness. And the last thing we want to do is play him back-to-back Chelsea away and Gillingham at home before a very important game on Friday. So I think there's no way you start Reese Burke on, on, on Tuesday. So I think if you want to rest Lockyer as well and play Anderson in the middle, then I think Francis Clark can take up that, that right centre-back role and, and hopefully do well there and, and maybe ask a few questions of Edwards, but in the end may get a decent... Decent League Two loan potentially, which would be fantastic if you can. Um, Louis Watson for sure. You don't want to play Hammer again. I think it's all about resting, resting those key players. And I think sort of Burke, although le- less key than Marvin Lockyer and Morris, he, he's also very important because you don't want him to get injured. So mm-hmm. I think yeah, Francis Clark at centre half. I think Louis Watson at, at DM for sure. And then yeah, I mean up top you you can rest Carlton and Eli, and you've got. I mean, you've got three very good options there. You've got Woodrow, Brown, and Benet, and you can just choose any two, and you're gonna you're gonna bat them to do really well. Um, so yeah, I, I, ex- I expect quite quite a few changes. Um, you've got like Luke Berry, who who will probably start in 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 one of the eights. Um, I'd probably rest Kabore actually, and and start Doughty and Giles. I think um, just because I think Giles needs it tactically. And I think Doughty obviously has not started started many games. He's not started either game, but he's, he's not got many minutes. So you start him and, and Mescaboré as well. So yeah, there's, there's scope to make an, an, a number of changes and still have a really strong side. And Kieran, do you think there's scope for somewhat of a formational change? 
Um, we've seen, I'm pretty sure at Buckham, didn't we play 4 3 3 for the second game? Um, yeah. So, do you think that's something that, that could happen again? Um, you look at the you look at the potential players for a back three at the moment without trying to play the as Jamie said those ones that you would pro- you would probably want to rest, um, and it, it makes it a little bit difficult to to try and assemble um, sort of a back three a central back three. So, do you think that four three three could come into place and you know try and be a bit more attacking, trying to be a bit more front footed? Quite possibly. Um, it's a tough one to call, really, because even though it's a cup game and you're playing lower league opposition, you kind of still want to maintain the same standards, right? So you're looking at that game and thinking, we could change formation, yes. But like, also then Rob Edwards has to sort of weigh up the benefit of doing that. It's like, yeah, cool, we'll play 4-3-3 for one game. But then if we're trying to play this 3-1-4-2 system, that playing four three three has zero benefit to any of the players. So, like, yeah, we might have to go over makeshift three, and whoever plays on the left of that isn't naturally left-footed, and that could pose a problem potentially. But equally, for the most part across the team, you have to consider that you're still going to be playing the same formation that you would play in a league game, which is key when, if you have an injury or you make a substitution the player that comes on needs to know the standard set, the players, the formation they're meant to play, and therefore the position and the role that's expected of them regardless, right? So then changing the formation with no sort of mission statement and no outcome, to me, is a pointless exercise when if you keep the same formation, keep drilling it in, keep training it, especially for our newer players as well, it only bodes well for league games personally. Let us move on to the West Ham game, the first Premier League game to be played at Kenworth Road. It's an exciting fixture, um, a good opportunity as well. Looking at it before and, and just looking at the betting odds, and it very much surprised me that Luton were four to one, four to one to win this game, which you know has the potential to be. Uh, celebratory occasion for, for Luton, um, celebrating where we've come from, celebrating the fact that, you know, those, as, as Jamie said at the start, those who haven't been able to get a ticket for the first two away games, they'll be in fantastic voice, I'm sure. Those that have been to the two games as well will, of course, still be in fantastic voice. But 4-1 to one really stood out to me as, as how. Um, but another to be expected in the way that, that we are going to be underdogs. We're going to be underdogs pre- pretty much every game this season. Um, West Ham have had a positive enough start, but at four to one, that, that's extra motivation in my eyes. Yeah, that's um, pretty staggering that, that we're four to one to win at home. I mean, I, I get West Ham have started well, but I think there's an element of recency bias that, okay, yeah, they, they beat two very good sides in Brighton and Chelsea that we've obviously lost to. So that that probably add, adds into it that people think, oh, if they can beat Brighton and Chelsea, then they can obviously beat Luton because they lost to Brighton. So that, there's an element of obviously demand supply that is driving that price. But yeah, still four to one is a, a pretty massive price to win at home under the lights. I mean, you, you, all, all the narrative before this season was if Luton stand the chance of staying up, they've got to make their home a fortress. So you'd think that West Ham at home under the lights would be a game that people would back us to, to maybe get get a point or three. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think on West Ham, obviously we'll go into it in more detail, but I think 
yeah, they started really well. I think they, they've signed well. I think that was the important thing is after losing Rice, they, they signed well. So to, to basically spend what they received for Rice on Alvarez, uh, or Prowse and Kudus, I think that, that's three very good signings to, to, to replace Rice and they've strengthened their 11 massively from it. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to pay as a bigger threat than, than, than we may have thought they might, may have done sort of two, three weeks ago based on who they've signed and, and how they've started. But yeah, it was certainly a game that I can see us hopefully imposing ourselves and, and at least getting a point from it. And from what we've seen of West Ham so far, Kieran, where are their threats going to come from? Because they were a little bit blunt at times last season, but but obviously going to Brighton and scoring three times is something that we don't expect many teams to do this season, but but they've shown already that, that they can pile forward, they can um, assemble quick passing moves and, and really get from one box to the other very, very quickly. So who in particular are you wary of, of giving that, that little bit of space to? Their, their counter-attacking football is something that I tend to marvel over every few weeks when watching highlights or especially this week, when you look at it, if any of you are statisticians and love your stats about football, West Ham had 20% possession in that Brighton game, which is quite ironic because if you watch Deserby's interview midweek where he said, possession does in fact win you football games, no Deserby, it does not, you silly Billy. But their counter-attacking play is just remarkable. Like you said, they can get from one box to the next quickly, but one thing is for sure is they're clinical as hell. Like, they had 20% possession, three three or four shots on target, and they scored three goals. Like, that that just takes some doing, you know. Um, and that's going to be where they want to hit us. Like, they'll know that Luton's a fortress. They'll know that we're going to come at them and we're going to use our noise to our advantage. But all they'll do is go, all right, we're just going to let you do what you want, and that is fine. Because they know they're more than capable of, whether it be Ben Rama picking the ball up, Antonio running at speed and strength, or Bowen picking up the last pass and putting it in the bottom corner. They've got three players up there that can do that job, not to mention adding in Mohamed Kudus to that equation actually makes me feel a bit ill because of how good he is on the ball and how quick he can run and how good he is at scoring goals. That midfield that they have of Alvarez, Ward-Prowse and Kudus is scary. And then you add in that front three who are just nothing but clinical, who can score from six yards, you've got inside forwards who love a tap-in or they can score from 20-25. Antonio loves to bully people for a boy his size. Mm. Going forward, they're strong, really, really strong. And the back five need to be resolute on Friday night and just be like, no, stand firm, no counter-attacking football for us, lads. Cheers. And I'm sure that after Chelsea on Friday... They've probably learned their lesson because, again, Chelsea were good at counter-attacking us as well, but they pick us apart a bit more, I think, in terms of their passing play. Whereas with West Ham, it's more about the individual quality that they possess to take men on and drive with the ball. And I think a good thing to note here is that the games we've mentioned, the, the win against Brighton and the win against Chelsea, they surrendered possession, um, as we've mentioned there, to play on the counter-attack. We're a team that are not going to do that. We would prefer them to have the ball and, and we counter-attack ourselves. So I think that's an interesting development to see who dominates the ball. Both teams are quite happy to to let the other one have it. 
so yeah, it'd be an interesting dynamic to see um, who actually dominates the possession stats and, and what that what that means in terms of the game. We've spoken about Kenworth Road, um, but but Jamie, how advantageous can it be if Kenworth Road is as pumped as it was for for Watford for Sunderland? If we can bring those levels of noise and levels of intimidation, surely, surely that comes to our advantage majorly. Yeah, it's massive, and I think the eyes of the world are on us on Friday night again. That they were they were on us last Friday at Chelsea, but they really are going to be on us this Friday. The the the, the first the, the first time that a lot of people will have seen Kenworth Road. Um, it's going to be on TV on on, on is it is it Sky is it Sky is not on on, on Friday um so yeah it's going to be massive you think you look back to that Sunderland game and a lot of their players couldn't cope and their players that are used to the atmosphere because they they they've played there before countless times and uh, and they weren't surprised about what they were going to face but there's a lot of players in that West Ham side that. We would not have seen anything like it. You sort of you look at the players like Lucas Pacatar and Edson Alvarez that they they've never been to Luton before. They they have no idea what what they're going to expect. And now just to add on to that, we've now got four sides, right? I think just to see what we've done to that that Bobber stand, and it's like an, another proper stand with seats. And okay, there's going to be a few a few away fans on in the far corner, but that's going to be another what thousand or so Luton fans in that side. That's so before you sort of thought, well, if you're taking a throw dug outside, you've got a bit of sort of like breathing time just to sort of to help get get like to get to get the ball and not not have many fans on your back. But now there's going to be fans on your back that side as well. So that's going to be interesting to see how that develops. So yeah, it it it's going to be massive, and I just can't wait to see how how we perform just because of the the, the fans that are just going to get on on the back. Hopefully, minute zero to minute ninety five hundred. Let's go with a starting 11 prediction now. Um, there are a few dilemmas and there's a few things that will probably be determined by how the Gillingham game plays out. Uh, but but looking at it now, who would your starting 11 be, Kieran? Mine personally would be the same as Chelsea, except Giles off and Doughty on. So for the record, that would be Bloody hell, I forgot our keeper then. Kaminsky and Cole. Kabore, Bort, Burke, Lockyer, Bell, Doughty, Nakamba, Chong, Barkley, Morris and Adebay. Same for you, Jamie? Yes, but um, I mean, that Doughty and for Giles, I think um, they've seen enough from the first two to give Doughty a chance now. Um, he, I think Doughty was excellent for us last year and he, he deserves to, to, to go in from the start. Um, and he's a player that, again, has played at the Kenny Loads. And yeah, I think for me, it's a bit of a no-brainer, just Doughty for Giles. Yeah, yeah, we're not adding anything interesting, but yeah, I'd go with that that same team. It, it sort of picks itself at this point. A couple of a couple of uh, dilemmas for for. Um, Edwards to have on his hands, of course, with this this uh, Carabao Cup game to to impact things as well. But but ultimately, I think looking at that team that started Chelsea, that is as strong as we could possibly um, put out at the moment. And that that Doughty Giles battle will be one that you imagine will will continue to 
play out as the season goes. But yeah, for me, I think Doughty does deserve that opportunity in from the start. And I think his experience of playing well at Kenilworth Road during these nights where we've really got on top of the opposition, I think that that could be massive too. We'll go on to the score predictions, the, the main part of this podcast, the one that everyone comes for. Jamie, are you back to your optimistic ways? Because you put a real dampener on things, didn't you, last week? But I was pretty much right. I mean, I put 2-0 and it's 3-0, so maybe it's not optimism, it's just accuracy. Have you thought thought about that? Um, yeah, I'm going to go Luton Town 2, West Ham United 1. I can get behind that, Kieran. I'm going to go for Luton Town 1, West Ham United 1. I'm going to go Luton Town 3, West Ham 1. I think it's going to be a thriller. I think it's going to be one of those brilliant days at Kenilworth Road and, and I can't wait for it. I think that uh, we know there's something magical at Kenilworth Road on these types of nights. And I think our first Premier League game, um, yeah, the lads will conjure up something special. You've heard I'm it here first. I go 3-2 off of that. No, I think you've heard it here first. Bring, bring in Colton Morris and put him as your captain, not that fraud Erling Harden on FBR. I think it's it's time for Captain Morris. Oh. <laughs> Triple captain. If Harlan yeah. carries on, he's, he's out. He's out <laughs> if he carries on. Shocking behaviour from the robot this week. Well, that is everything for today. A big thank you to all of you for joining and a big thank you for your continued support watching listening this podcast um, it's that time as well where we mention our socials so Oak Road Hatter on everything bar Instagram which is Oak Road Hatter pod but until next week it is goodbye from us Away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.